Hello, and welcome to show number 2315 of Eyes on Success, a weekly program covering a wide variety of topics of interest to people with vision loss. I'm Nancy Goodman Torpy. And I'm Pete Torpy. To create a new project in Reaper, all you need to do is hit Control N if you're on Windows or Command N if you're on the Mac. Unsaved project Reaper V6.13 slash X64 registered to Scott Chesworth. That's me. I can confirm that this is a blank project by hitting down arrow to see if I've got any tracks in my track list. No tracks. And I don't. And that was just a short snippet from one of the many tutorials today's guest has put together for blind musicians. Scott Chesworth is a blind music producer who also offers mixing and mastering services for his clients, as well as tutoring and training. We'll speak with Scott about his journey into music, his passion for working with others, and his commitment to making music accessible for people with disabilities. But first for our tip of the week. This week's tip comes from Scott Chesworth, and Scott actually put this tip together, complete with the music, as an illustration of what a mixing engineer can do. Nowadays, whenever I'm starting to learn a new creative thing here, I'm pretty careful about how much knowledge I'll acquire on the subject. And it's not that much, because time has shown me I'm not actually going to need to know as much as my brain tries to convince me I'll need to know before I can get started with something. So if we take recording a new instrument as an example, all I really need to know is how to connect the sucker and where the record button is. And that's it. At that point, I stop looking for knowledge, I resist the urge to cram my brain with preemptive stuff I might need to know, and I start recording instead because that tells me exactly where I'm starting from. And then I can be specific about what I'm learning. I can iterate. I can re-record until I make it good. Support for Eyes on Success is provided by Insight.org, N-S-I-T-E dot O-R-G, the first organization to provide a continuum of employment services that connect employers with talented, dedicated people who are blind or have low vision to meet their workforce needs. Insight, a vision for talent. You are listening to Eyes on Success. 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 Let's start by meeting Scott. Well, today's guest has been with us before talking about the audio editing program Reaper and some of the tools that make it accessible, Osara, and Jamie Tay was on that program too. But today we just have Scott. And so for people who haven't heard you before, Scott, can you Tell people who you are and what you do. Yeah, hello. I'm Scott Chesworth, and uh, I'm based over in London, UK. And I'm a... What am I? I'm, I'm sort of a lot of things. Um, trying to be a little bit of a lot of things. So I guess I'm a producer. Music producer. 
yeah so i guess i'm a, a sort of producer come mixer come mastering type person I've, I've sort of got thumbs in all of those pies um and then in more recent times i've sort of become more of a teacher mainly as a result of like the pandemic happening and me going oh dear i've got no gigs all of a sudden <laughs> <laughs> and it's been something i've really enjoyed as time goes on it's kind of becoming more and more of my week to the point where it's like i'd say probably about 60 to 75 percent of most weeks now that i'm teaching you are visually impaired you are blind right yeah have you been blind since birth uh, as good as um since i was like 13 months old so i don't remember being able to see but apparently i could and tell us a little bit about your childhood and education my upbringing was i guess you could say i was quite self-sufficient from like quite an early age like I left home pretty young and uh sort of struck out and education wise I did a mixture of like special ed and then like some private education for a couple of years that didn't really work out that well wasn't really my scene so you were not trained in music no and that was kind of part of why I pulled out of the whole private education because in that school everything around music was very structured around like grades and exams and that kind of stuff. And the school had really cool music facilities, but if you didn't have like anything on paper to say that you were developing like some musical aptitude, then you weren't allowed to use those facilities. And that really bothered me because at the time music was a thing that I was like really motivated by. And so that in combination with, I don't know, just seeing like the motivations of the people around me were, were very different to mine. I ended up pulling out of the whole private education thing. And we mentioned the audio editing program Reaper. Yeah. You manage a distribution mailing list that's very useful to people who use Reaper who are blind. Yeah, Reaper's been a huge part of my uh, journey here, I would say, in that, like, I'm very kind of community-driven, um, and I'm I'm much more driven by, like, knowledge being open than I am driven to create music, as it were. So I do do stuff here. I, I, do, I do make original music. I really enjoy playing in bands and, and that kind of thing. But for me, it's more about being part of something than it is um, being like driven to create. So like the community groups and, and that kind of stuff that have sprung up around Reaper. And you do manage that very well. Heard that large crowd of sheep in some good directions and keep things on track. Keeps me busy, man. Support for Eyes on Success is made possible in part by our corporate partners. Find out more about partnership opportunities by sending an email to hosts at eyesonsuccess.net. This week's focus topic is Scott Chesworth's experiences in producing, mixing, and mastering music, as well as teaching and training others, and how he got into it 
and his commitment to sharing all of this experience with other people and making music accessible for people with disabilities. Well, Scott, your life clearly revolves around music. How did your interest in music first start? I don't know. It's, I mean, it's it's one of those things, I think, where very often it seems to be the case that blind kids are encouraged to at least explore it. And so I did all the usual stuff. Like I had, you know, I had a keyboard when I was a kid and stuff like that. But for me, it really kicked off more when I started getting into like guitar based bands and, and metal and stuff like that. And I went to a few gigs quite young, went to see some shows and, and that sort of stuff. And that was really what sparked more of an interest for me. So yeah, the whole playing in a band thing for me is it's more just about like feeling involved in something, I think. That's kind of what I get from it. And the same deal when I'm producing other bands, like there's like this dynamic of like a small collective us against the world thing that I just, I romanticize it so heavily, man. <laughs> I just love it. Well, you know, most people practice by themselves, but music can really be a great group activity and a bonding activity with other people. Yeah. I mean, it, this has never been like a solitary pursuit for me um, to the point where like I get by on a bunch of instruments. I'm not great at any of them because I think probably if you were to count the amount of hours I've spent practicing on my own, um, if you were to count those hours on your fingers, eh, you wouldn't need to take your shoes off. <laughs> so for me, it's it's always been about like just wanting to be involved. Like I'll practice to the point where I can show up to something and not let the side down. And then beyond that, really, I'm just sort of there to like, I don't know, just to be part of something. So what are your principal instruments and genres? Playing music, historically, I mainly have played bass and guitar in like fairly heavy-ish kind of bands. Um, everything tends to be quite guitar-driven for me, um, for pleasure anyway. In more recent times, started to teach myself to play keys, mainly just because I wanted to learn more about synthesis. I'm quite interested in sort of creating something from nothing when it comes to synthesis. And now there's some software synths that are accessible enough for us to do that. Uh, that has proven to be quite an interesting little rabbit hole. Um, but even then, it's not really a solitary thing for me. Like, I'll I'll get something started. Uh, I'll find some sounds that I like, or I'll make some sounds that I like, and I'll record, you know, 16 bars, 32 bars. I'll write a section or a riff or whatever. And then I kind of run out of steam, and I, <laughs> I'll i send it out to, like, somebody else and be like, hey, can you do anything with that? Because, again, it, for me, it's really all about collaboration, essentially. So have you ever taken lessons on these instruments or these things you pick up on your own in conjunction with others? Um, I did a year studying at Academy of Contemporary Music, mainly just because I had a day job, got made redundant from that, couldn't find another job. This was when I was in my I don't know, mid-20s, something like that. Um, couldn't find another job, but I could get sponsored to study for a year. 
So yeah, I went and and did a year of music school. I was on their their base higher diploma. Uh, it was okay. I mean, I don't know. Academia has never really been my scene. I do okay there. I just uh, it's classic musician thing, but I don't do well around like structured authority. I don't think I like being my own boss. Well, school certainly isn't for everybody. There are lots of ways of learning and acquiring skills that can make your life fun and enjoyable, right? Yeah. I tend to be more like a a doer type person. Like most of the stuff I've learned over the years, whether it's like playing instruments or production or arrangement or in more recent times, like coding stuff so I can contribute more to deeper accessibility. Whenever I'm learning stuff, for me, the process is like, do it really badly for a while (laughs) until it just starts to get better. I just find I have to like show up and assume I can probably do it if I try hard enough and then just like bang my head against it for a bit until I start to figure it out. Well, you know, it seems to me that's what learning is all about. If we go into some new area that we want to try out, presumably you don't know a whole lot about it and you're not an expert and it really just takes some amount of time, some amount of sweat, some amount of effort to learn and become an expert in whatever you're doing. Yeah. So it sounds like for a long time, music was not something that you were sustaining yourself with. You had to have other jobs to sort of make life work out and all. I mean, I've had a fair few day jobs here. Um, They've always been around either music accessibility of music making or something pretty close to it. So, you know, I've been on staff at a couple of studios and and that sort of thing over the years. It sounds like these days music really is a career for you and you're an audio producer and teacher. So tell us a little bit about that. What's involved in doing audio production? How do you get clients? Where do they come from? What do you have to do for them? So some of this comes in from students. Uh, Just because I've been banging away at this stuff for, you know, 20 odd years this year and so there is a certain amount of uh, of experience that's built up from that and so sometimes students will come to me to learn the ropes of reaper and i'll give them feedback on on what they're making along the way and sometimes then they just kind of keep me on as as like remote producer other times it comes from word of mouth uh i have like a handful of people that I've either recorded, produced, mixed, mastered, whatever, over the years that just kind of come back because the relationship is good. Like, we understand each other now, and it doesn't really make sense for them to go anywhere else. And most of those folks are pretty good about, you know, recommending me to to other people. So there's a fair bit of word of mouth uh, involved in it. Scott, you mentioned producing, mixing, and mastering. To somebody who isn't really knowledgeable in the field, can you describe the differences between those? Yeah, sure. So for me, producing is probably like the bigger picture type stuff. So as a producer, you're typically around while the music is being recorded. 
And you're sort of overseeing and coordinating the whole thing in terms of like logistics and time management and if there's a budget and and those kind of boring things. Mm, But then a lot of the time with most artists, you can kind of chip in thoughts and ideas and direction and, and that kind of stuff along the way. In terms of the actual notes they're playing, and you can suggest different phrasings. Yeah, notes that they're playing, phrasings, uh, maybe the odd lyrical tweak, just to to kind of make things flow better, or like sounds, you know, how they've got their guitar amp dialed in, or, or, you know, how the drummer has got their snare drum tuned, or or whatever. Production is a, a really strange mix, I think, of like, super practical stuff versus like much sort of broader bigger picture thinking and and that's what interests me about it mixing is taking what you've recorded and balancing it basically um kind of making sure that everything can be heard uh making sure that everything that should lead the song is leading where it should be and and kind of dropping back and being more of a background part when it shouldn't um essentially just getting the best out of the recording that you can get. So this is where you actually use a program like Reaper to be able to take those digital audio files in and massage them so they sound good. Yeah, well, I mean, I use Reaper end-to-end here. So if I'm recording, chances are I'm recording in Reaper. Uh, And if I'm recording at a studio that doesn't have Reaper, I'm taking in Reaper and Asara, uh, like a portable setup on a pen drive, and I'm still using Reaper, <laughs> um, just because it's the environment that I know the best, really. And then, yeah, I'm mixing in Reaper as well, and and that brings us on to mastering, which is kind of, I guess it's like an extension of mixing, um, and it's basically like the last check for how your recording and how your mix sit alongside other relevant artists. And it's basically just like the the final kind of, quality check if you like and any any sort of last minute little shaping of like a a really typical thing would be like uh if you're if you're doing something like one of the more modern urban genres for example they love their low end it's all about like big thumping bass and getting that kind of stuff to hit right in a home environment where you've got all sorts of acoustic kind of situations going on in your room that make it not an ideal listening environment is quite tricky and so that's a typical example where a mastering engineer will come in take your mix compare it to a bunch of other stuff that's relevant and just do any last minute kind of shaping to help it over the line what's interesting about that is you're presumably in a fancy studio with high quality equipment doing this stuff but it has to sound good not only on that but other systems too people could play it on their car radio their portable stereo yeah i mean I, i'm not in a fancy listening environment here at all man i'm in a bedroom uh, <laughs> but i've learned to do most of this stuff on headphones and i do have a fairly decent headphones like a couple of sets that i can reference on but b it's more of an experiential thing where like i've racked up probably in the thousands of hours analytically listening on these particular sets of headphones and really learning how stuff should sound on them. And so really, I think with the the majority of stuff that I get hired to do, people aren't really hiring me because, you know, I can do stuff that nobody else can do in a technical sense. 
I think it's partly like based around the specific experience that I've got. Um, but more than anything, I think it's about communication, really. Like people seem to be coming back because they enjoy the process of, of working together. They enjoy how the dialogue flows and they enjoy, you know, the, the critique that comes back and the feedback that comes back and that sort of stuff. Well, that's certainly important to have a good rapport with the people you're working with. I mean, it's got to be an enjoyable experience. If it's work, it's going to sound like it was work when it finally comes out the other end. Yeah, I think it's, it's something that I put quite a lot of effort into. Like, not in a premeditated way, uh, but I really, if I'm working with an artist, I really want to understand, particularly with original music, I really want to understand what makes them tick and try and identify, like, how we can get this song from being like 75% cool up to like a hundred percent or as close as we can get to a hundred percent. Like this is what I've always wanted to create. It's a chase, man. You, you know, you don't, you don't hit a hundred percent every time, but for my money, if I can kind of move the needle in that direction, then cool. I'm serving a purpose by being there. Well, it certainly sounds like you really enjoy what you do, and I know you've had a huge impact on lots of people, particularly in the blindness community, and you have a good rapport also with a lot of developers and vendors of software and tools for the blind, don't you? Yeah, that's more of like a, you know, typically when you talk about someone that knows a lot of developers and, and that kind of stuff. Typically, they tend to have more development chops than I've got in a practical sense. Um, for me, my involvement in that stuff is is more just about like connecting people that have got those skills. Uh, and I just tend to be like the, I guess, like the glue that sticks projects together. I mean, in recent times, uh, just over the last year or so, I have started to teach myself more development stuff, like more of the practical side of it. Just because there are a couple of gaps in a few open source things that I'm involved in that I think I can fill. Uh, I think I can be useful by doing that. Um, I'm probably never going to be like a, you know, a full-time developer. I doubt I'll ever charge any sort of money around it. For me, the whole open source movement is like what's interesting. But you certainly had a big impact in being the glue with developers and making contributions where you can. And that's got to make you feel real good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love doing it, man. You know, you get to see really cool stuff come together. And you can still say you were part of it, even though you, you know, you haven't sat and, and crunched and wrote the code. Um, you can still kind of claim some involvement um, and, and take away quite a lot of satisfaction that that probably wouldn't have come together exactly how it did if you weren't involved. Absolutely. Well, that was some more music that Scott created. And in this week's final item, you can learn more about how to find his tutorials, how to find some of his music, and how to contact him. Well, Scott, if people are interested in getting in 
touch with you for advice or lessons? How would they do that? So I'm on all of the Reaper groups uh, pretty much every day. Um, so we've got Reapers Without Peepers, the email list. Uh, you can join that by sending a blank email to rwp plus subscribe at groups.io. Uh, I'm also pretty active in the Reaper Access WhatsApp group. You can join that by going to tiny.cc forward slash Reaper Access, all one word. Uh, so that's capital R E A P E R, capital a double C E double S. So Reaper access, all one word, the R of Reaper and the A of access are both uppercase. And if you want to get in touch with me directly, uh, I'm on a bit of a break from socials at the minute. So probably best to send me an email. It's Scott Chesworth, all one word, S C O T T C H E S W O R T H at gmail.com. And I want to mention to people that you've put together some excellent tutorials in getting started with Reaper. Not only are they informative, but they're brief and to the point. You don't have to spend hours doing it, and it gets you started quite quickly. Yeah, so the free training content, like the the free kind of community content is a big thing here at the moment. Um, Something that I'm really working towards because, you know, as much as I like teaching one-on-one, I do have to charge something for the time. And I try to be as, as kind of reasonable about that as I can be. And I, I do pay what you can afford for a handful of folks at a time as much as I can afford to. But there are plenty of people that are interested in this stuff that just aren't in a in an economic position where like hiring someone from London is possible. So I try to make sure that there's a decent amount of, of free content available as well. Yes, we should point out to people who are interested in lessons that you are in the United Kingdom. Yeah. But, I mean, you can pay me in, you know, pretty much whatever currency works, man. If if I can buy coffee with it, I'll take it. (laughs) Where would people find your tutorials and training videos? The free community training stuff. A good place to go to for that would be theglobalvoice.info forward slash Reaper. And also, one last little plug, uh, the newest thing I'm doing, I'm kind of excited about, I do two live streams about Reaper accessibility each month. So the second Saturday of each month is usually like a a bit of a deep dive on a topic. Um, So that could be me teaching something, or it could be me bringing somebody else in from the community who's, you know, really doubled down on something and they're they're getting seriously good at it Um, and and kind of observing their workflows. And then the last Saturday of every month is just open Q&A. Anything at all about Reaper accessibility, about Asara, about accessible recording, absolutely anything. And where do people find those? That's all at reaperteacher.com at the moment. By the way, Scott mentioned that many of his materials are hosted by The Global Voice, and you can hear Eyes on Success on The Global Voice every week on Thursday morning and repeat it again Monday afternoon. Details depending on your time zone. And as usual, if you missed any of that in the audio, you can always find that information in the show notes associated with this episode, which is episode 2315 at www.eyesonsuccess.net. 
That's it for today's show. Next week on Eyes on Success, we'll continue our musical journey by talking about creating musical scores with the accessible, recently released fourth version of MuseScore. MuseScore is a sophisticated and feature-rich program for creating and listening to musical scores. The release of version four brings many improvements to accessibility for people using screen readers. We'll talk with Mark Sabatella, a music educator and one of the developers of MuseScore, about this free, open-source, powerful application. Thanks for joining us this week, and we hope you'll join us again next week. You've been listening to Eyes on Success, hosted and produced by Nancy Goodman Torpy and Peter Torpy. You can access the full archive of previous shows, subscribe to the podcast, and much more by going to our website, www.eyesonsuccess.net. If you have questions about anything you've heard on the show or have suggestions for future shows, send an email to hosts at eyesonsuccess.net. Thank you for listening and have a nice day.